0: listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit HarvestKelowna.ca. In turning your Bibles to Judges chapter 7 as we continue on in our series here on snapshots of God's amazing grace. And we've been spending the last, um, this is three weeks now, on Gideon. And um, and, and we're kind of calling this segment of the, the message on Gideon about Mission Impossible or Mission Possible, depending how we want to take a look at it. And last week, if we could just put these um, slides up or the slide up on the screen, we talked about getting serious with God, that in order for us to experience, just go to the one that recaps, I think that's about the third or fourth one in, that recaps last week's message. We have that? It's. Re- there we go. Mission Impossible. Notice the I am is smaller, and we are wanting to be uh, Mission Possible, and it starts with getting serious with our God, and it starts with worship. It's about eliminating all rivals. It understands that the cross is our wet fleece, and and encourage you to listen. Those messages are online. Their CDs available. If, if you were not here, take a listen as it kind of puts everything we even we talk about today in greater con, con, context. It's kind of ironic a group of us went to Famous Players Theater this past week and spent an hour and a half to two hours in there just kind of planning, measuring, seeing if there's enough power. That's a bit of a concern. You can be praying for that if we're going to have enough power in that place. Uh, I know we're going to be bringing the power, right, when we come, right? Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you. You're right on. Okay. But, but we, we need some electrical stuff that, that is coming. Uh, and so we need to get some of that figured out. But let's go to the picture there of, of just uh, us there at uh, Famous Players. Let's go back now. Jean-Luc. There we go, Famous Players Theater, and a couple of our people just looking at the upcoming movies that that are coming, deciding if they're going to go to church or go to a movie or come to church, stay for a matinee. You know, I, I don't know how, how you want to promote it. I won't promote it quite like that unless they give me free tickets. Then, you know, th- that would be pretty cool. But... But we are there getting things figured out, and we went into the lobby, and the, the, the place, the theater that we're going to be having our worship, as our worship center, let's go to the next one here, uh, isn't it funny that our sermon series is mission possible, and it was, I actually tried to remove the I am and couldn't quite do it, because I thought that would be worth a picture, but we just kind of thought it was ironic that the worship um, center is uh, where it says mission impossible, but with God, all things are possible, amen? Amen. In our lives, in our church, we'll, we'll figure out the power issue and, and everything else that, that comes along with that. Um, And and you know what? In in reality, in our lives, we've all faced the mission impossible. We have been in those circumstances. Maybe you're in one of those situations even right now where you look at your life and say, this looks impossible. There doesn't seem like there is any hope that nothing ever is going to change. And we start to wonder, is this life? Is this going to be as good as it gets And I'm just going to go through the rest of my life or the rest of my working days or the rest of my married days or the rest of my child raising days in this kind of a mindset. Is it going to be in this kind of a body? Is it going to be in in, in such a way? Is this what I just, is this going to be the new normal and I just got to get used to it? Just getting through the day, getting through the week. Have you been there? Have you ever been there in, in these situations? Are you even there right now perhaps? I wouldn't be surprised All of us have been there, all of us perhaps even in different areas are there right now and just hold on a little bit because in the future you will be because this is life. Jesus even said in this world you will have troubles but he says but take heart, I've overcome and that's what we're going to figure out today is how we overcome, how mission impossible becomes mission possible and first and foremost you have to realize it is not because of me it is not my strength it is not me just gutting through it that I'm going to get through in the power of Jesus Christ it's only going to come through Jesus and the life that he offers to us and 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 God has not intended for his children to live in survival mode that's not his plan that's plan B and he's not plan B he's a plan A kind of guy he, his plan is not for us to live in survival mode. No, his word speaks of and promises of victory and strength and power that is ours. And, and this is where we need to bear down, folks. It's not just going to happen. Just because you're Canadian, because you're relatively maybe even good looking, and you think, well, life is just gonna gonna happen, and you folks are a good-looking group, I'm, I'm quite surprised. We Sunday after Sunday we get this, you know, and and but we just kind of think that you know, like eventually it's it just gonna, you know what, everything it's all gonna work out. It's just gonna happen. Yeah, because maybe you've just, you know what, storms come and storms go, but you can get pretty beat up and worn worn down from that. But God has His promises for us. To experience his power, his victory, his miraculous work in our lives. But this is where we need to get busy and get serious about serving Christ. About pursuing Christ. About trusting him. The greatest casualties, you might want to write this down, encourage you to be taking those connection cards and to be writing down some notes here. Week after week, Bible's open, have, have a notebook. I, I love seeing some of you are coming with notebooks now and, um, and, and be filling, you know, be, be taking notes here. You might want to write this down. The greatest casualties come when we are in retreat mode. When we kind of say, you know what, I'm just going to take a break from reading the Bible. I'm just going to take a break from church for a number of weeks or months or years. I'm going to take a break from prayer. I'm going to take a break from serving. I'm going to do that. And the greatest casualties come into our lives when we start taking that retreat mode and we start stepping back. We need to get busy. We need to keep pressing ahead. That's what we're going to see with Gideon. He was full of fear. He was filled with insecurity. And yet he didn't take, didn't, didn't take the steps back. He continued to follow in humble obedience upon God. Even today, I encourage you to be thinking of those situations right now that are the mission impossible in your life. Think of those situations, you might even want to just write it down, just, just, you know what, maybe it's work, maybe it's family, maybe it's finances, maybe it's health, whatever it might be, maybe it's just like in your head, because in your head it just seems like you, you're just going crazy, and you just, you're just, you just, maybe you just want to write down crazy, you know, and, and, and that is, is one of those things where it just seems like, you know what, it just seems too hard, but today we're going to take a look at God's word. We're going to take it, we're going to talk about it, but then we're going to apply it. You see, God's people, I mean, there is so much information out there. I mean, you want to go on a Sunday and listen to a good sermon? Go online. You can find sermon after sermon that will just be, I mean, amazing, knock it out, that fill you with Bible knowledge. There's books, there's seminars, there's so much you can do. God's people are not failing because of a lack of information. We're failing because of a lack of application into our lives taking what we've already learned and what we already know, even what we hear today, and we just think, okay, that's nice, that's good head knowledge. No, application, when we start applying God's word, that's when transformation starts to happen. And God's word tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, write that down, 2 Timothy 3.16, later on today, take and, and underline and highlight that word, all scripture is God breathed. All scripture is profitable, it goes on to say, for teaching, for reproof, which means, kind of at times we need to be shook up a little bit, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that we can be thoroughly equipped for whatever may come our way. And so that's why we're going back to the book of Judges. We're going to see how God's word is going to equip us today. It will teach us, it may reproof us, it may correct us, and it's going to train us. And so this is a great story. I mean, if you grew up in church, you probably know this story. And I mean, this, this is just an, one of these ah, God kind of stories where he shows up in power and amazing things happen. You know what? God can show up in power in our lives today. He can show up in power in our city, in our church, in our nation. He can. God has not changed. And this story is not just for the ages and for our information, it is for our application. This story, what we're going to read about, how crazy it sounds, it happened. Just as I'm standing here today in the flesh, this story happened in our world and it happened in, in, in Israel and And we're just trusting God. God, show up in power once again in our lives. And so we're going to take this story. We're going to learn it and learn from it and apply it. And so today we're calling today's message, um, mission possible, getting battle ready. Are you battle ready? Are you ready for battle? Are you ready to do battle? And so in in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and encamped beside the spring at Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Mora, in the valley. Now remember, let, let's just recap a little bit. Gideon, this is a guy who, you know what, a couple weeks ago when we were looking at him, was scared. He was hiding in the wine press. He was from the smallest tribe. He was from the least of, his, of families. And he was the youngest in his family. So really... I mean, you kind of have size, you know, a big size, middle size, and then you have Gideon. He was just a little wimp of a guy as far as having any sort of strength or credibility to him. And so he's hiding, he's afraid, and yet the Lord shows up and says, You're my guy. You are the one that I am going to use to deliver Israel. And so last week we talked about how with fear and with trembling, he goes in the middle of the night with ten of his servants and he topples the, the idols of Baal that are on his father's front lawn. You know, his father has these strange lawn ornaments to, to, uh, to Baal and he has these Asherah poles and, and, and again to a, a, a pagan god. And so Gideon goes, he tears them down. He doesn't know if he's going to like die from it. He doesn't know if he's going to get rounded up and, and, and suffer and persecuted. If his dad would even turn him in, he didn't know what was going to happen. God delivers him. God does something only God can do. We talked about that last week. He changed the minds of the people. And they went from, you know, like, get him. Get that guy who tore down the altars. of it. Who does he think he is? Oh, that's Josh's son. Let's go after him. And God changes their mind. And the, instead of like, get him, they're going, Gideon, Gideon, Gideon. And then they even change his name from that to this Jerub, uh, Jeroboam, uh, which means Baal Destroyer. So instead of you know like even Gideon and or get that Gideon guy, it's now you know what? Let's get the Bale Destroyer. Let's get him. I mean or or I mean let's let's follow him. He's our guy. And uh, and, and so we see the hearts of the people change, and, and and Gideon gets this new name basically, which means Baal Destroyer. You see, here's something else. I encourage you to write this down and believe it, and you can apply it to your lives. God does not call the brave. He makes brave the called. Okay? God doesn't go around and look for the bravest, the strongest, the smartest, the the elite. And he says, you're my guy. He goes and he calls us. And he makes us in our own insecurities, our own weaknesses. He makes us brave. He makes us strong. That is what God does. And you see... If you've been called by Christ, have you been called by Christ? Are you his child? Then you've been called by Christ. God desires to make you brave, to make you strong, to be more than conquerors, to be, to be mighty in his name. You say, I could never do great things for, for God, Melvin. There's just no way. I mean, I, you know what? My age or, or my experiences in life, my past... Just kind of the direction where I'm at right now. And and it's like, okay, yeah, let the excuses just start flowing. And we're good at at, at making excuses, right? Why, you know what, we just kind of think, hey, you know what, there's there's really not a lot of use for me in God's kingdom. That is a bunch of lies. Look at the heroes in the Bible. I mean, messed up big time. I mean, the Apostle Paul wouldn't have been able to volunteer in the early church for working with children, right? He had a bit of a record of of killing people. You know, I mean, have any murderers here? I, maybe we do or for, you know, like maybe, but you know what? God used a former murderer in in a mighty way. I mean, just listen to, to, to some of the heroes in the Bible. Maybe you've heard some of this list. I mean, they were pretty messed up. And so this leaves good hope for you and for me. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Get you into some trouble. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead you know and and every one of them had some pretty big weaknesses or liabilities to them and God used each and every one of these people and so here we have Gideon Baal destroyer puts the call out to the Israelite nation and says come on let's take on these Midianites and 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 God had changed the minds of the people and and all of a sudden like that 32,000 Soldiers showed up and said, we're ready. We're ready. Let's do this. And they're like, you know, probably coming up with some, some chants and some different things. And they're probably practicing a few of their moves and, and getting all ready for battle and, and that. And so he has this excitement in the air. We're going to do it. Gideon's our guy. Baal destroyer. Let's go after, you know, the Midianites. Woo-hoo! You know, and, and just getting ready to go. And, uh, but the Midianites, they find out, did a little recruiting themselves. And Gideon had 32,000, but they find out that the Midianites kind of teamed up with the Amalekites. And next thing you know, and probably a few parasites along in there as well. And, uh, and, and they had 135,000. Well, wow, um, that means every one of our soldiers has to be able to take on 4.5, if my math is right, um, of theirs these odds aren't good. I mean, a trained specialist fighter might be able to take on 4.5 of theirs, but look at some of the soldiers we have. I mean, the, the guy, I mean, he's old, you know, or I mean, he's young, or, you know, I mean, he's, he's not very strong. And, and so, so what does Gideon do? Because the odds aren't looking very good for, for him and his army, 32,000 against 135,000. Does he make another call? Does he put it out to the land? Come on, folks, let's gather in. Come on, we need more. Come on. We got to get going. Does he do another recruitment drive? Does he get this bigger army? Here's what God tells him to do. Very strange. Verse 2, let's follow along. Um, Judges 7, verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, my hand has saved me. I'm sure Gideon hears this. He's like, are you serious? have too many we don't have enough but folks God's economy is so different than our economy verse 3 continue on now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people saying whoever is fearful and trembling let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead 22,000 of his people returned and 10,000 remained I wonder if Gideon was thinking, you know, I think I just might join that 22,001. Let's make it 22,001 because I think I'm going to go back to the wine press. I'm just going to hide out there for a little while because, uh, I mean, 10,000 against 135,000? I'm not so sure about this. This now, I mean, leaves odds of 13 to 1. That one of the Israelite soldiers is going to have to take on 13 of the Amalekites. Verse 4, And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set by himself." Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink and the number of those who lapped putting their hands to their mouths was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his own home. Okay, now this just got really stupid. I mean, seriously? down to 300 soldiers odds 450 to one I mean this is there's no chance of a victory now I mean let's face it even if you are an elite warrior let's say um I mean let's say I'm an elite warrior and I'm like okay I'm going to take you folks on there's some of you who I probably could take on like small child children or, or something like that you know but um even an elite warrior would have a hard time getting out of this room. There's some strength here, and, and, and we might be able to subdue. But 450 to 1? You know what? Um, my only schoolyard fight. How many of you were ever in a schoolyard fight? All right. Yeah. There. Okay. Well, the only, my one and only uh, happened at recess time. And uh, I got into it with, a, with another guy. And we were playing at recess, playing a game of football. This is about grade 8. And... Uh, and we got after it. He was, he was egging me on, and so we just started fighting, and, then, and, and I landed a few good, somewhat solid punches, I think, and, uh, and it was just like, okay, we're going to get in trouble. You know, so after school, yeah, after school, after school. So the fight was set after school, but we had lunch in the meantime, and I was walking home at lunch with some of my friends, and my friend said to me, "Neldon, you're going to get killed. That guy's stronger than you, I said, but I kind of thought, but I got a few good licks in when I, when I punched him on, on, on the school property there. I mean, and they said, then they said words that put fear into me. And he's an army cadet. And I'm thinking, oh boy, now I'm in big time trouble. And so over the lunch hour, even though it was my absolute favorite fried egg, salad, fried egg sandwiches my ma- mom made that day, I wasn't very hungry. I didn't go to school that afternoon because I thought, I just kept hearing the word, you are going to get pummeled by him. You don't stand a chance. And so I was, you know what, I, I was very sick that afternoon. And the next morning came and it was time to get up out of bed. And I'm like, oh, I don't feel very good. And you know wasn't feeling very good so my mom gave me the thermometer and the heat register was right near my bed and it was a metal um heat register so i put the thermometer on there except i left it on a little bit too long and she looked at me oh my stars do you ever ha-? i mean and and it went like it was like 115 or something and 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 it just like busted she knew what i i did but but i managed to stay home another day from school and you know just oh i don't feel very good okay you can stay home well, that night I finally confessed my fear to my parents and, and uh, they helped me work it out the next day. So, so the only fight that I was even really ever in that really counted, didn't he? I didn't even show up for it. And I had to go and apologize to the guy and all of that sort of thing. So, so I'm probably, you know what, I, I probably wouldn't have been the best warrior for Gideon. I mean, he only has 300. He probably wouldn't want me to even be a part of that. Because he's like, the guy doesn't even show up to the battle. You know, what's he made out of? And, and so, you know, what does he do? Well, verse 9. Um, that same night the Lord said to him, arise. Go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid... Go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hand hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. This is what I absolutely, totally, completely love about our God. Is that God patiently deals with our faltering faith. Here, Gideon, he's a little bit afraid. He's a little bit, you know, I mean, and, and God said, okay, let's go. But he says, but if you're afraid, here, I'm I'm going to show you something. God patiently deals with our, fearful, our fears and our faltering faith. God takes the time here, as you're going to see, to take time to reassure Gideon that everything is going to be okay. Do you have faltering faith today? You can ask him. You can ask God to, to show, to reveal his faithfulness to you. And you know what? He will. One way or another, through his word is the primary way, but he will reveal his faithfulness in your life. And so here, verse 13, um, is, is part ways through it, he says, um, he's listening to a conversation at the campsite. Because he and his, his, his buddy, they go walking through the campsite. They're not able to recognize him. It's dark. And he, I guess he just kind of blends in. And the Lord takes him beside this, this tent. And he overhears this conversation. And here's the conversation part ways through verse 13. I dreamed a dream and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down. So the tent lay flat and his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian in all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Notice this, when the Lord then said to him, Arise, Gideon got up. He's like, let's go. I'm here. Let's get after it. He heard what he needed to hear. God reassured him, even in his faltering faith, that he would be with him. Verse 16, And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet and I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout for the, for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon gives his 300 elite soldiers a torch a jar and a trumpet. That's it. That's all he gives them. Verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew their trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches in their right hand, the trumpet to blow, and they cried Cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and the army and all of the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all of the army. Israelites smashed the jars, exposing the torch. It looked like to the people in the camp that they were completely surrounded as they were down in a valley, and it looked like they were surrounded by these 300 lamps that they're now seeing. They're hearing the trumpets, and they think, it's over. And so they start fighting, but they get confused, and they start fighting amongst themselves. And God gave them the victory without one Israelite casualty. Amazing, amazing How God protects his people. Amazing what God did for Israel there. And he's continuing to do it today. Nation of Israel. God has his hand upon that nation. Because he made a promise. And God keeps his promises. And so when God keeps his promises to Israel. God keeps his promises to his children. If you're his child. You have the promises that he is with you. And he will bring you through. He will give you victory in your life. This is an amazing truth. So what do we learn from this passage? First of all, we have to understand, folks, we are under attack. We are under attack. We all face battles in our lives. We're in a war zone, if you want to even take it up a notch. We have battles in our family, in our careers, at times with our health, with our money, with our walk with God. Sometimes our battle is with emotions, whether it's anger or fear or bitterness or unforgiveness. And these things just wage war against us. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's events that are waging this war against us. And it just seems that we're under this pressure and we're under attack. These things will destroy our lives and those around us if we do not experience the freedom and victory that God has for us. So how do we get battle ready? How do we get battle battle ready? Well, first of all, it's about God's glory and not mine. We have to understand it's about God's glory, not my glory. God knew exactly what would happen if the Israelite army, the 32,000 that showed up, If he would have given them the victory. God could have given the 32,000. That victory. The same victory that happened with the 300. But he knew the human heart. He knew that they would become proud. They knew that that they would start thinking that they're quite something. and, And they wouldn't be able to take the success of that. God knows how we handle success. And oftentimes we do not handle success very well. And sometimes God reduces the size of your army and my army. Sometimes he reduces it through our health or through a job or through our career. Our relationships sometimes or finances. Sometimes the things that we think we need in life in order to get by, in order to survive. I'm not saying that everything bad that happens is it intentionally God doing it. Sometimes we bring disaster upon our own self, right? You get fired from a job, maybe it's because you were lazy or you're going against, you violated company policy or, or your bodies break down and it's just like, oh, look at what God is allowing to happen in my life. Look at what he's doing. Yeah, it's maybe because you've neglected your body in certain areas. Yet it's when we are weakened regardless how we get to that state in relationships, in our health and in, in, in our minds, whatever it is, we have the opportunity to learn and to trust God. And to learn to trust him in a way that we could learn no other way. Here's a great quote. It will be up on the screen. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. A.W. Tozer wrote that. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Some of the greatest growing seasons in my own life. Is through what easily could look like failure or weakness, yet have turned out to be some of the greatest blessings in my life. One of those failure, weakness seasons happened even before our, our daughter was born over 16 years ago. And I went through a season that was so hard and so difficult, and I thought, is this is as good as it gets? Am I just gonna go through life? Am I even gonna live? Even see children. I mean, just so much stuff was going on in, in my head. There was such a struggle. And yet that dark, dark season in my life has become one of the great victories where I got to see God do some great things. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12.9, he says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. When we are weak, we are strong if we are determined to live for God's glory, not our own. If we just kind of white-knuckle it through the storms and think, well, it will pass and I'll get through it and, and, and you know what, I'll, I'll be a little worn down and a little wiped through it, you know, but you never learn to taste God's power and his goodness and his grace and his mercy in our lives, then it's a wasted experience. He has so much more for us to, to trust him and to experience him in. But if we determine, first and foremost, no matter what you're going through right now, take that what you wrote down, the crazy in your head, or the struggle here or the struggle there, and you say, God, this is for your glory. I want your glory to come through this, for me to decrease, and God, for you to increase in this. May you receive the glory for it. That is the start of God doing some amazing things in your life, in my life. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. To become a Christian, in order to know Christ in a personal way, it means you recognize, you admit that you cannot save yourself. That you submit yourself under the waterfall of God's grace and mercy in repentance. We ask him to forgive us our sins. And as we believe in what Christ has done for us and we realize I can't save myself, living a good life, running the spiritual treadmill isn't going to save me, but it all comes through what Jesus Christ has done and we submit to him in that way. That is how we are saved. That is how we experience salvation. And you know what, folks? Have you done that? Are you his child? If you've done that, wonderful. But I want to tell you something. Nothing has changed. We need to continue to keep living in that same kind of dependence, realizing we can't make it on our own. We need his strength, his power. Jesus has given us salvation, but he is also the one that provides our sanctification in order for us to grow and to experience his power in his life, to become more and more like him. We can't do it on our own. Remind yourself frequently that God is great and you are not. God gives grace to the humble He gives blessing to those that passionately pursue him in humility. We serve the humble king. Let's follow in his footsteps. So battle ready means determined to live for God's glory. Second of all, battle ready means commit to be all in. There is nothing worse to be on a sports team or in a workplace or in, in a work group at school when someone is just not that committed. Someone who's talented or someone who is supposed to help share the load just kind of is just there as a floater, a drifter, just kind of, you know what, just, you know what, basically thinking, eh, I'll show up if I want to. And, and there's nothing more frustrating in working together when that sort of things, thing happens. You can, and probably most of us can relate to this. You've known super talented or gifted people, but their heart isn't in what they are supposed to be doing, and it can be so frustrating. And Gideon puts the call throughout the land. He calls the 32,000, and and no doubt, like I told you, you know what? Gideon, yeah, let's get him, you know, and a lot of excitement. Yeah, I'm all in. Baal Destroyer, he's our leader. This is going to be awesome. 97% of them all walk out on him, they were eliminated. And oftentimes when it comes to the Christian life, there can be great fanfare, emotion, excitement, but it doesn't last. It's kind of like, I'm here for a good time? Not necessarily a long time. Like if God doesn't give me kind of what I need or what I'm wanting, I'm out of here. That's not commitment. That's being a fan, a fan of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus. Not getting onto the field, not getting onto the court and playing. You're sitting on the sidelines. In the end, 300 were left. And the other 31,700 totally missed out. They missed out on what was an amazing victory. Because they were fearful. Because they had other plans. They had other priorities. God can't and won't use people like that. How are you at being committed to God's mission here on this earth? Are you in? Are you committed? God can do anything He wants, as we can see from 300 people who are all in. God can do all that He wants with 30 that are all in. God can do amazing things when we commit and say, I'm all in. It's for His glory, not mine. Are you in? Even as a church, we have an awesome opportunity in the coming weeks and months as we move into our new location. Are you in? Are you committed? Get off the sidelines. Get into into active duty. Let's be part of this. And when you're busy serving God with your life, and you determine it's his glory, not your own, and you're trusting him, and you're trusting him for the provision, God will take care of you. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will empower you. When you came in today, you were given even a a little sign-up sheet. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But here's a great way to start that commitment as far as saying, yeah, I'm all in. I want to be part of what God's doing here. I brought, I think this is the first time that this shovel has shown up at Harvest Kelowna. It showed up in our core group days. This has been a very well-traveled shovel. It, it started out in, in the Edmonton area where we used to live, and it made it to Kelowna. And then it flew out last summer to Oakville. When I preached there, I took this uh, on the airplane with me and um, kind of downsized a little bit, but, but took the shovel and, and, and talked about it. And, and I've talked about it. Some of you will know the shovel. Some of you won't. This was a shovel that was outside the church where I worked at in Alberta, and uh, it was a full shovel. It, it, it was a full thing, but some kids had taken it to make a fort, broke, broke the shovel, and I went and found it a little ways away from, from the church. I was a little frustrated, like, where did the shovel go? It snowed last night like it did, it seemed, every Saturday night. And, uh, and, and so, uh, went looking for the shovel, couldn't find it, found it a little ways from the church, and I brought it back, and it was broken. And I went and I tried using this thing. And, and you know what? When when you only have half a shovel, it kind of, the strength is reduced and, and it kind of bends funny. and And so I kind of just did a little path for the next person to walk. And then I left the shovel because I was frustrated. And truth be known, I even like went like that and I'm like this is frustrating because I can't do a proper job and those kids who took this shovel I'm not very impressed with it you know not not my finest moment before I had to preach you know and but it was funny because my office I watched a few other people come early that morning to um, shovel snow and that they pick up the shovel and I saw that they went a little bit they saw that I obviously didn't do very much and they couldn't do very much and someone ended up going and getting a better shovel and And as I watched this happen, watched the frustration and and thought of the uselessness of a shovel like this, I thought, you know what, that's such a good reminder. That when we give half a shovel, we get half shovel results. It's frustrating and it doesn't get the job done. But if you give a full shovel, you experience the full blessing, the full reward that comes from living by giving a full shovel. And so this unit has been in my office. I usually put it up on the wall in my office as a reminder. Meldon, whatever you do, give a full shovel. No half shovel required. No half shovel allowed. It's given a full shovel in our relationships, family relationships, in our time with God, in our service for God, in our giving to God, in in our workplaces, in our sports. Whatever we're involved in, you give a full shovel. And you'll expect and see full shovel results that come from it. Are you all in when it comes to pursuing Christ, your relationship with him? If you're just sitting on the fence, you're just going to experience half shovel results, which will be frustrating for you and for those around. You're all in. You're all full shovel kind of person. Watch out what God does. And whether God takes 330 or 3,000 people who are all in, watch out what happens. Watch out when you commit with a full shovel. Thirdly, we fight with different weapons. You have to understand, to be battle ready, it means we fight with way different weapons than what we oftentimes think of. What is the most powerful weapon that you and I have? Your guns? (laughs) Some of us have. Seriously, what's the most powerful weapon? That we fight with, that we like to fight with. Our tongues, right? Oh, man, that's, that's pretty good warfare. I mean, the things that we can say to someone. With our tongue, we bless. With our tongues, we curse. And boy, we can really do some, some solid damage with, with, with our weapons like that. You know, God's ways are so much different than our ways. And remember this, folks. Little is much when it is with God. And we see here with Gideon, he's told to equip the soldiers, the 300 soldiers, with a lamp. With a clay jar and a trumpet. Now, maybe they did have, you know, already army standard issued swords. We don't know that that were already clipped to, to their belts or something like that. But I would be thinking that he would be giving them some headgear, some serious shields perhaps to go into battle. Maybe, you know what, some, some hand grenades, you know, a machine gun or two or some tanks in order to go into this uh, you know, 300 versus 135,000, you know what? And, and, and what is God doing? He's equipping them like a bunch of boy scouts scouts heading to a jamboree. Taking a trumpet, taking a, a torch in a clay jar. I mean, I mean, who goes in a battle like that? Folks, these are weapons that we can use today. Isn't this, I just I love this about God's word. The weapons that... That Gideon instructed his soldiers to have. Are the weapons that he gives us in our hand here today. First of all the lamp. Psalm 119, 105 reminds us that God's word is a lamp. Unto our feet and a light for our path. Most of us aren't satisfied with. God's word being the lamp. For our feet and a light for our path. No we want the spotlight. We want to see the end or the start. To the end, we want to see how it all works out. And God says, no, I'm going to give you enough through my word to take the step here today and take the next one tomorrow. And we're wanting that bright, powerful spotlight to be able to, you know, well, I want to see what's in it for me. I want to know how this is going to turn out. And God says, I'll give you what you need for your daily bread here today. Take it. It is a lamp for your feet, a light for your path. It's not the spotlight that we might be looking for and wanting. But he gives us the Word of God. All of God's will. I mean, you, you find, we talked a bit about this last week, we find God's will for our lives through the Word of God. And as we are submitting ourselves to the Word of God, he, he reveals a more general or, or specific will for our lives that comes in various ways, but its primary source is through the Word of God. He gives, Gideon gives the soldiers a clay jar. Well, a jar. A picture is, 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 uh, is often a symbol used in the Bible as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we see that the Spirit of God indwells us. The Spirit of God indwelled Gideon. But as for us in Christ today, because of the cross, because of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. How did the, the weak, wimpy disciples of Jesus change from being wimps to warriors? It was because they were indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit. When when Jesus said, you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And so as we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, to his spirit. And desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day in our life. There is strength and power each day that he provides. And the third thing, the trumpet. God has given us lips. To proclaim his truth, his word to others. That's our fourth pillar here at Harvest. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. He gives us the words to be able to to speak his truth. His words to be able to face a difficult situation. And not even knowing what the answers are. And the Holy Spirit shows up in your life. And gives you the words to be able to say to to someone. This is what is needed to defeat the enemy. The enemy. Working in the power of the Holy Spirit in and through the word of God. Taking his word with our lips and declaring it over our lives, over our situations, over our families. Claiming those promises in our lives. We've all been given what is necessary to defeat the enemy. But it starts every day getting up out of bed. Daily submitting ourselves, our lives to the Lord. Submitting Um, fellowshipping with him through the word, through prayer, having others walking with us, holding us accountable, praying for us, with us, us there for others in the same way. And when you are busy serving the Lord, when you are busy all in, determined to give him the glory, not your glory, anticipate God's provision, anticipate his power. God takes care of his children. This isn't just simple power of positive thinking. This is biblical thinking. Pick up the weapons. You feel weak? Good. Because you are weak. You feel overwhelmed? Yeah, the battle is hard. You're on the right course. Keep going. Keep pressing in. But when, on the, when we go on the offensive, serving God with all of our hearts, he brings the victory. And God will do what only he can do. Today, God is still looking for soldiers. He's looking for people ready to stand up. He's ready to take the few who are willing to trust God with much, and are willing to do much to bless the many. You want your life to be lived for, the, for God's glory. Not your own. You want to be all in. You want to fight with weapons that are not your own. But God's weapons to defeat the enemy. You can do this. This is totally possible. God can and he will turn our weaknesses to strength. Trust him. Believe him for it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus I I think of your word and just how it rings true for our lives here today. And I pray for brothers and sisters that are here that are going through a difficult season in their life. Or maybe they've experienced things in the past and and what they're going through now just it doesn't seem to make sense. And they're wondering why. But Lord Jesus, we also, we have to look no further than the cross that, The cross of Jesus, the day that he died on the cross, made no sense to his followers. It made no sense to the crowds that were one week cheering, um, Hosanna, Hosanna, and days later were yelling and crucify him, throw him out, get rid of him, kill him. It just seemed to make no sense, but in and through what seemed to make no sense, you brought purpose and meaning and you brought life. And Lord, I pray that we would take whatever that we are facing right now and we would submit it to the foot of the cross and just ask you to bring purpose, meaning, and power and life through that. And what looks like failure and weakness and difficulty would become an area of strength because you are in control. Thank you that these truths can come alive for us today, but we do it for your glory, not for our own. Lord, help us to be fully committed, fully in when it comes to serving you. We love you, Jesus, and may we realize that no matter what we go through, because of your word, because of you being so faithful, because of your faithful Holy Spirit in our lives as believers, Lord, that you are with us through the good and through the bad. Father, I pray that if someone here doesn't know you in a personal way, have never submitted their lives to you, Jesus Christ, they would do that today. They wouldn't leave this place until they've done that.